Kia ora, welcome to Afraid to Ask. This is a podcast where we ask the questions that you guys are afraid to ask. Can you believe it? My name is Stanton and I'm joined by my wonderful colleague, Denise Yeo, who isn't with us at the moment. And today we're asking the question, can you be racist towards white people? And we're joined today by the creme de la creme of AUT academics. We have Professor Paul Moon, who's Professor of History based in Te Arapotama, our Faculty of Maori and Indigenous Development. And we're also joined by Dr. Camille Nakid, who is an associate professor based in the School of Social Sciences and Public Policy. Partway through the episode, I'm going to be on the streets and I'm going to be asking people their views on whether they think you can be racist towards white people. So stay tuned for that. Let's get to it. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on first. What's the deal with airplane peanuts? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? At this point, I'm too afraid to ask. First things first, I thought it would be cool if we can um, get an idea of how you identify yourselves um, racially, ethnically. Um, I'm Denise. Um, I am Singaporean by nationality, but I identify as Chinese, and I've been living in New Zealand for six years now. I'm Camille. I identify on a number of different issues in a number of different ways, and each of the senses have put something different because I can. And New Zealand allows you to do that. Um, in Trinidad, I don't need to identify. I'm Trinidadian. Over here, I am Trinbagonian, which is a mix of Trinidad and Tobago. But um, if I were to really get down to it, I'm also Carib. Um, my ancestors are indigenous to the Caribbean. As well, I've got Middle Eastern heritage. You can tell from my last name. And, before, and I've also got African heritage as well as European. So... Um, I can identify in a number of ways, but most of all, I identify with Camille, because that's what my mum called me. I'm Paul, and I'm half English and half Montenegrin, and um, yeah, identity's a bit fluid at times. So um, my name's Stanton, um, I'm from South Africa originally, um, in New Zealand, as you said, Camille. Yeah, you can choose, the um, census data, you can choose your identification. Um, I identify as being um, African. Um, but I'm, I have mixed-race ancestry in South Africa, which is quite complex with the um, apartheid system. Um, yeah, so I identify as coloured South African, yeah, which was a classification handed down um, to us, but culturally it became something more than that. Yeah, so that's my identification. Um, yeah, so just looking at race, uh, what do you think New Zealand's biggest taboo is when it comes to race? Talking about it seems to be the biggest taboo, not realizing and recognizing that racism exists. Um, it is not enough to say we have so many different people here and therefore we're not racist. Just the mention of that alone indicates wanting to hide the racism that exists. So I think that's the biggest taboo, to say let's all be Kiwis, when in fact that just really means a European New Zealander without any implication of it being Māori at all or any other thing that exists. And there's a related issue I think that when you talk about racism it's a very short conversation because people instantly say well I'm not racist and that's where it ends but um, there's a lot of stuff happening under the surface and so there are, there's still some major problems. And even um, race and ethnicity um, personally until we um, 
we had done some research and says, I didn't really know the difference between race and ethnicity. Could you give me um, a, 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 your definition or what you think the difference is between them? Um, race is generally a definition based on biological characteristics, your physical characteristics, your phenotype, um, whether you're black in skin color, white, um, whether your features, your eyes are different, your hair is different, so it's basically on the basis of your physical appearance, your phenotypes, your biology, usually. Um, ethnicity is based on your culture, customs, your language, um, your marriage rituals, your religion. And um, just looking at that, um, our big question that um, our podcast is based around is, can we be racist towards white people? Do you think we can? Well, I think it's partly to do with how you define racism, if, and it's a common complaint. Um, some people who are European will say, well, you know, I'm not racist, but this particular minority group is. So, in a sense, we're all just as bad as each other, and it becomes an excuse for being racist. But there's an element of power that's tied in with racism, that anyone can make comments about someone's ethnicity or races, race, racial background, whatever. But it's the person who's exercising power in that relationship which changes the dynamic of it. And so if you're powerless and you make a comment about ethnicity or race, it's a different type of comment from if you're imbued with power and you're able to actually act on that. So it's, it's quite a different dynamic. Yeah, I definitely agree with Paul on that. Um, people have said Māori have made racist comments. There's a difference between racism and prejudice. Uh, Māori do not have economic, political power in the country. They're not a dominant voice. They do not have the power to take away someone's opportunities or chances to enter university, um, to, 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 um, to see who's politically elected. So without that power, if, if they were to look at a, a white person and say, well, I don't like you, that's prejudice, or I don't like you because it's prejudice, because it, without that power. So racism is very much tied in with power. Those that have the power to block people's access because of their, their race or, or their ethnicity, that, that is racism. So I guess what I'm hearing from you, Paul and Camille, is that the difference between racism and prejudice is that Racism is systemic oppression. So when I make a joke about, um, you know, an oppressed race, it affects them politically or economically, and both. Or whereas, like, say, if we make jokes about white, the white race, which, um, you know, they've histori- historically been the oppressors, um, it doesn't affect them politically and economically. This is not to say that because one does not have the power to reduce or undermine someone's chances that one should make jokes that against someone of any nature. I think um, whether you, you make jokes against someone based on their ethnicity or their race or their religion or their, their sexual orientation, that's yeah. not called for at all. Yeah, definitely. Would it be, I guess, correct to say we can be prejudiced against white people, but we can't be racist towards them because racism is a huge system of oppression. Yes, I would say that. I would say um, that when you have that institutional and structural discrimination racism, yes. Yeah, it's about the balance of power. And more and more um, we're hearing about white privilege um, and how white people have social capital, economic capital. Um, but what does white privilege even mean? Like, well, more than that? I'd, I'd narrow it down, but I think white privilege is a bit broad. Um, Speaking in particular in this country, I'd, I'd narrow it down more to Anglo-Saxon privilege. I think it's a particular cultural stream, 
Um, I know there are people from Eastern Europe, Europe and New Zealand who suffer prejudice daily, and they're white. So I think I'd narrow it down, and I think it's a systemic thing. Um, it's hereditary. It almost acts like an organism that has the role of reproducing itself, spreading and protecting itself. And it does that at the expense of other groups, and it has for centuries. And it has a chain reaction-like modus. It extends into other countries, um, and it's, it's almost omnipresent. The problem is it's very difficult to pin down. It's not overt in a lot of cases. So if you're looking at the paperwork and say, is there any evidence statistically here in the paperwork of white privilege? You say, no, no, it's just the way things are. No one said anything against any other ethnic or cultural or racial group, so there's not a problem. And it's, I think, one of the, the biggest dangers of this, this privilege of this particular group is that it acts in a way that on the surface seems to be completely fair, but underneath denies people opportunities, um, acts in prejudicial ways against certain groups and maintains its privilege, which is almost, as I say, using that biological metaphor, what it's genetically programmed to do. And um, and what are some examples of white privilege just in everyday life? Well, you look at the media, uh, um, as Paul said, when you, white privilege is just the, the narratives, the constant narratives that we hear. Um, Pacific uh, people in South Auckland, the criminals, the thugs... Um, Māori just uh, on welfare or in, in, in drugs, um, those narratives have come from a particular group. And that is, and I would even bring it down even further and say it's Pākehā privilege. Let's, let's, I would really like it to look at New Zealand. And, um, and it is when we are able to say, uh, what, what are Māori complaining about? They have special rights. That's privilege, the entitlement that we've somehow given back something and that should be enough. That is privilege when you are able to say what you want to say and without wanting anyone to criticize your your point of view when you make racist statements and say, um, well, it's freedom of speech or, or I'm entitled to, 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 to say those things. That's white privilege. That's Pakeha privilege. When you are in that position to make those statements and then to deny how people feel when someone says, well, I thought that was racist. And you said, oh, you're just being oversensitive. That's Pākehā privilege, that's entitlement. There's examples of it. I mean, a classic example, I think, is the term Māori child abuse because you've got a criminal behaviour linked with an ethnic group. And if you want absolute proof of, of this issue of privilege, show me anywhere in the media where there's a crime attached to Pākehā. So no-one talks about Pākehā white-collar crime or Pākehā violence or pornography. But when there's a particular category, it's referred to quite openly and unthinkingly as Māori child abuse. So linking a criminal behaviour with an ethnic group and only doing it to one ethnic group and not others is a clear example of that privilege really going overboard in a quite serious way. And, and it becomes a self-fulfilling narrative mm. as well. So if you take the example of refugees, and I know because my mother's family came here as refugees in the 1950s and 60s, there's a prejudice against them because they don't speak English well and they have different customs and so on, and they tend not to get the opportunities that, say, Anglo-Saxons in New Zealand get. Fast forward a few years and people say, well, look, these They've come to our country, they, they're not productive, they don't have good jobs or anything like that. And so it reinforces um, this sort of stereotype. But the stereotype in, in the beginning creates the problem. As an immigrant, some exam- everyday examples of white privilege I can think of is you know, applying for um, a job without worrying about what, be- what people think about your last name. Um, it is being able to be articulate and well-spoken without people saying, wow, you speak, you know, really well, you know. Um, I get asked if, you know, like, where I, you know, why my English is so good. But, like, 
you know, even though I'm an immigrant and I'm Chinese, um, English is my first spoken language. Um, there, there shouldn't be anything surprising about a Chinese person, an Indian person, you know, um, being able to speak English so well. What sort of um, everyday white privilege do you encounter, Stan? I'd say, I don't know if I call it white privilege, but um, <laughs> I'd say even just being asked where I'm from, yeah, is something that really gets me down. Because I think I've, I've lived in New Zealand for 15 years. Um, my wife isn't white as well. Our kids will not look Pakia, but they'd probably be asked the same questions. Like, we'd never actually fit in here. Like, uh, we see ourselves as being members of the society. But um, just, uh, like, it kind of hurts me that somebody who might come from, from England or um, migrate here from um, a country being white um, would, would, they wouldn't get that question. Um, casual racism is another thing that I think um, we all experience or deal with um, on a day-to-day basis. Definition of casual racism? Well, I wouldn't have one because I don't think there's such a thing. I think there's racism and there's an absence of racism. The problem with casual racism is it almost doesn't quite make it acceptable, but it says it's in a slightly less harmful category than you know, people who are skinheads and wearing swastikas and so on. All racism is pernicious. The casual racism is no less damaging than anything else. In fact, it's possibly more so because it has a slight veneer of acceptability that, well, it's you know, just a one-off comment or you should have a sense of humour about that or something like that. It's not, not to be taken seriously. But it absolutely is serious. Yeah, so all these terms, casual racism, everyday racism, unconscious bias, it's racism. To give it another terminology, just to sort of excuse our behaviour, it's racism. For me, casual racism, as Paul said, it kind of, it, you know, it is true. There is either racism or it's not. Um, and if it's even a tiny bit racist, it is bad. Um, but then sometimes, you know, it's... Um, so-called minority groups when people are like casually racist to you in the form of a joke or whatever it's a person of color you feel that you are unable to respond to it without looking as if you are picking a fight or that you are being oversensitive um and so people of color are constantly balancing this tension between like um do i do i stand up for myself or do i continue to fit into society so that you know i have you know, like get a lot, still get along with uh, my friends and co-workers. And so examples of, you know, um, casual racism that um, that is being perpetuated in society are things kind of like, I guess it's like, like it's like saying all Uber drivers are Indians. Or like, you know, you could be microwaving your food um, in the office pantry and somebody says to you like, oh, Asian food always smells nice. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, all food smells nice. Like, why, why, why are you pointing it out that, why are you pointing out that my food is Asian, you know? Um, so it's things like that and it makes it quite difficult to navigate that space as a person of colour. So what would you have to say to that, Camille and Paul? This thing about being oversensitive, when people say you're being oversensitive, no, and you don't have the right, you no longer have the right, people will call you out on it. If somebody says to you what you're doing is racist, then you think about it. Don't tell them they're being oversensitive because that again is privilege. And even the smallest of things, if you think it is offensive, you call them out. The only thing I would say is, I would call it out, but how whatever people say does that does not define who I am. It is not taking anything away from me. I do not give my power away to anyone in any sense like that. So you can say what you like. I will call you out on it, but you are not 
minimizing me or, or taking anything away from me. And, and um, at, at AUT, even though it prides itself on being non-racist, etc., there's such strong institutional racism within here, within in the institution, and and addressing that um, is difficult anywhere, any any institution, any large organization. And that is, I think, if we do call it out, we call it out with a sense of, of pride and strength and resilience too. I think that it also goes back to this issue of power, which makes it awkward. So imagine this scenario, you're, you've left school, you're 17, it's your first week on a job, and it's very hard to get a job, and the boss makes some sort of comment, perhaps the example you gave about Asian food. Now, you're not really in a position necessarily to say, well, look, excuse me, I find that makes me feel uncomfortable or I think stereotyping or whatever. If you do that, you might feel I'm jeopardising my job for what? So you make a very quick calculation in your head and you say, that was hurtful, but losing my job would be more hurtful, so I'll just remain quiet. And that's how that privilege perpetuates, and it's it's very difficult to break. So and Camille's right, uh, making a stand and, and pointing out these things is really important, but I think there needs to be something at the other end as well in which people have a sense that overall it's unacceptable. And a lot of it's just ignorance. They they might genuinely feel, well, look, we're being um, really nice to the ethnic person who works with us because that's the sort of nice people we are. But even that categorisation is a problem. So it, it's that sense of who people are and how they see others. There's a, like a big black hole in our education system that, that, that doesn't address it. So people enter the workforce with those views intact. Maybe choose your battles, and it might, might be mm. one way yeah. of looking at it. Yeah. Hey guys, Dan in the street here, and today we're asking a pretty serious question. Can you be racist towards white people? Yes. Well, yeah, I would think so. I think maybe not to the extent that I can be racist to like other coloured people, but I guess the kind of racism is like an offence, so like anybody can get offended. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think racism applies to anyone. Could you tell me the difference between race and ethnicity? I think ethnicity depends more like on your cultural and traditional background, whereas your race is like immediately people think colour. What race or ethnicity do you identify as? New Zealand, European. African. Black, African, yeah. Lebanon. I'm from Lebanon, yeah. Arab, Hindu. Would coloured be like a race of such? Yeah, I see myself as coloured and mixed in ethnicity. Yeah. Yeah. Mixed, because I'm not just one race. I'm mixed, so mixed would be the perfect. Food salad. I think all of us would be mixed, yeah. But I think society would be like, oh, I'm white, she's black. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the colour everyone is talking about the colour these days. Segregation, right? Yeah. yeah. It brings us back Treat to you different. shouldn't judge a book by its cover kind of thing. I guess with the recent world events, everyone just has it stuck in their head that oh, every hijabi or every brown skin or someone out there is out bad. Is bad. So I guess that's, I think... Media. It's social media and mass media. It's you can't up. change media, but you can change reality. That's the only thing. Yeah, that's true. Do you think um, casual racism is okay? So, like, for example, like make a joke about somebody of a different race. Okay. And, like, it's just a joke. Fun? A joke is different if you're with your friends and you're comfortable. But if you're saying it to someone you don't know or you're saying it openly, it could offend someone. So there you have to be limit. aware. There has yeah. to be a limit to what you're saying. You just gotta be aware of what you say <clears throat> with who you're around. With. Your tone of voice really indicates how it's coming across. Yeah, there's yeah. a joke and then there's a limit. <laughs> you go overboard. <laughs> Do you think if, if like if somebody does something racist or says something racist, if I don't say anything about it, do you think that makes me racist as well? Or like yes, in a way, I believe so. It's very equivalent to like speaking up for violence. You're supporting so, them. Yeah. You're just quiet. Even if when you, you got a voice. Yeah.
casual racism is something that um, I struggle with, and I, I sometimes I feel like you, you guys are talking about being oversensitive, and I feel like if I am oversensitive sometimes um, as well, um, because sometimes you'd have um, positive stereotypes, quote unquote, that uh, people would say things like, "Oh, all black people dance well," and yeah, I do think I dance well, but I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> is that is that racism? Like, or well, yeah. it has been in New Zealand's case. I mean, there's a there's a small body of literature produced in the 1960s and 50s, um, when I say literature, um, these are small books, meant to be humorous books, about Māori, and they were written by Europeans, and they have those sorts of stereotypes, they've got great teeth, they're wonderful playing the guitar, they tell really good jokes, how can that be racist, because it's, it's building up these people, but the point is, firstly it's a stereotype, which is silly anyway. But on top of that, it goes back to that issue of power. Who's controlling the stereotype? Who's directing it? And where's, where's the other side of it? There's no balance in any of this, and that's the problem. So, again, on the surface, you could say, well, you know, they're actually encouraging you to do this. Um, but when there's that imbalance, and one group has the power to define and make jokes and categorise others, the other group isn't in that position, then you know something's wrong. You know, and um, a good example of what Paul was talking about is that to model minority which was um, ascribed to people from India, China, um, Asians, basically, and I use, don't like the word Asian again, because, but to those groups, because it was seen that they worked hard, they put their heads down, they didn't bother anyone. And for a large part, the, the, the Asian population bought into that because, oh, well, um, I'm not being discriminated against as Mario Pacific or others, and I'm a little bit better than them. They didn't realize it had to hit them that they they, they were just not as discriminated against as Maori, Pacific, Africans, etc. But they just were not still seen as good as Pakeha. So even though they were surely invited to sit around the table with Pakeha, they weren't invited to share on the food that, that was available. And um, and now, if you look at um, the treatment of, of um, Asians uh, with the, the anti-Asian sentiments, I think um, some of the Asian groups, especially I know some young people are beginning to realize, no, actually, our allies are with those that have been marginalized and discriminated against, because that is where our support base comes from. It's not like putting people of color against Pakeha. That is not what it is about, but it's for them to realize that actually you you are still not considered equal in the eyes of Pakeha. Anyway, and that is why we all need to work together to ensure that we have equity the same as everyone else. So my next question is, can people of color be racist towards each other? I would say it depends where. In New Zealand, probably not people of color are without power. But we certainly, I, I was um, very involved and still am with ethnic communities. I was chair of the ethnic panel. And and we did run a, a summit specifically to address that ethnic community's engagement with each other. Because we were very much aware of the attitudes of our Muslims towards our Hindus, um, of our Chinese towards our Africans, etc. It goes on and on. I'm just choosing a few. And um, so we need to address those issues ourselves, but that's our issue to address. 
And we need to also look at the fact that, well, we cannot become like those who've treated us like that. So I would say, but then a Chinese person doesn't have the power in that larger sense to deny opportunities for Africans or Muslims are in that sense have that power. So we can have that prejudice towards each other. However, if we were to go outside New Zealand where we were saying in one of the African nations and they denied opportunities to someone who's Chinese, yes, we can say that's racism. It's all contextual and it's really where you are. As somebody from a minority group, um, I think we do have power. And I think we can be racist towards each other. Like, I've heard so many people of my friends group who, who are black, who are Indian, would say, ah, Pacific Island people are all lazy. To me, that's racist. It's not just prejudice. It's not because they're a minority and I'm a minority. It, 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 it makes it any less of a racist. You know, I sort yeah. of see the point, but yeah. I'd look at it slightly differently. And I, look, that's, that's unacceptable if people think that. I might think a whole lot of things right now, but if I don't have the power to enact them, it's just a, a pointless thought inside my little brain. But if I'm in a position where what I think materialises and affects other people, that's something quite different. And so that's where the distinction emerges between what people might say to each other, which is derogatory, whatever. But when there's an element of we can change your life because of what we think, that, that's quite different. Yes, mm. Paul is right. And um, I think we have, to understand difference. we have to understand difference between prejudice, racism and discrimination. Discrimination on the basis of race, we can discriminate on the basis of religion, etc. But without the power to enact injustices or to lower someone's opportunities, um, it's just really derogatory, bullying, prejudicial behaviour that's not going to create a harmonious society. And and true, I have heard those um, sentiments, but I th- I always think, why would they think those things? Have they heard it from someone? Does it make them feel better or superior because they themselves are being marginalised by the more dominant group? And, and if you think about why they may be saying those statements, maybe you have a different look about why people feel the need to say those things. We've talked a lot about racism as holding power. What can white people do to balance that power? You know, what can a white person do um, so that society is more equal? Um, And why should a white person give up his power? Because it will be taken away from him or her. People are not going to continue to tolerate being subjugated. Nowhere in the world as, as that happened, people will always push back. Um, whether they do it violently, whether they do it through the written word, people will always protest in some form or another. And I think it is up to, to, to us, people of colour, to, to challenge that and to continually challenge that and to claim that space because that space does not belong to one particular group. That space is there for everyone. And certainly I grew up with a family of seven children. My mother would always have somebody at a table, and I'm thinking, why are you bringing other people? And she said, there's always room for one more. So there's always room for people there. If yeah. you don't want to share that, that's going to be your problem. But I think people of colour are going to claim those spaces. Thanks for listening, guys. If you've got a question, you can tweet us with the hashtag AskAUT. And who knows? It may be the topic of a future episode. Give us your questions. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You remember when...
Eight what does Marcellus Wallace look like? What's the deal with Aquaman? What's the matter with me, what? baby? What's the matter with you? Speak English and what? How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. What's the deal with airplane peanuts? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask.